0: Welcome to Grace Church. Uh, My name is Justin Ross, uh, one of the pastors here at Grace. And we are in part two of this four-week series that we're calling Friending. And uh, I think this is a really, really important topic for each and every one of us because we all long for those friendships. We were made, we were built for connection. We were made for community. We were made for relationship. And so uh, I want to talk about the why we're doing this. I, I mentioned this last weekend, But the reason why we're doing this series is because we've been hearing within Grace Church from multiple uh, people that people say, man, I think this is the friendliest church in town. I think this is a great church. Their pastor's okay, but the church is awesome. Um, But I'm having a hard time connecting. I'm having a hard time finding deep friendship. And so we said, let's talk about this. Well, that's one of our core values here at Grace Church is transparency. And so if we have a problem and, and, and we say, gosh, we're, not, we're weak in this area, let's talk about it and let's see what the scriptures have to say about it and let's do our best to get better at, at being a church that is not only the friendliest church in town, but is also the church that connects with people and helps people to develop deep friendship. So we're in this second week of a four-part series called Friending. And to be honest, a lot of time has gone into this sermon and with the help of the pastor team a lot of time and effort has gone into the content of this message but i have to be honest with you i'm i'm not satisfied i'm not satisfied with the content of this message and the reason is because there is a there's a real tension that exists in this topic there's a real tension that we just cannot overlook and it's a very real tension in it and it keeps this topic of of friendship from being clean and Smooth and easy. It, it's, it's a real tension, and we have to deal with this tension. The tension is real. So this morning, uh, the message is titled, Unfriending. We've all had that. Uh, those friends, I, I was going to say that friend, maybe it was that friend. I think we've all had those friends on social media that's annoying, right? That posts uh, way too many advertisements. Or maybe they just go off on political rants. And we've all gone to that tab that says unfriend, right? And on their end, it still looks like you're friends with them, but you don't see their posts anymore, all right? Am I the only one that has done this, all right? Come on, raise your hands if you've done this, all right? Thank you. Man, I was starting to get nervous. I'm like, I am like the most evil person on the planet because I've unfriended a bunch of people, all right? (laughs) Social media has a lot of great benefits, and it helps to to keep us connected with friends and family. Yet, like we talked about last weekend, social media has changed the landscape on connections. It's changed how we view relationship and connections. It's changed how we even understand the term friend. You may have 300 friends on social media, but that does not mean that you have 300 close, intimate, deep friendships. So instead of saying that we're going to unfriend people in our pursuit to honor God in our lives, instead I want to talk about the times where we may need to set a boundary on a relationship. In fact, for those of you who are committed followers of Jesus Christ, I would say that it is vital at different seasons in your life to set boundaries on certain relationships in order for you to continue on the right path. So instead of saying, hey, we're going to unfriend people, instead I want us to shift our thinking and let's talk about setting boundaries on certain relationships. Why? Because if you're taking notes, all right, if you show me your friends, I will show you your... All right, a little bit louder, right? I know it's Sunday morning, early... We tried to get some muffins and cookies in you. All right? If you show me your friends, I will show you your future. Thank you. Proverbs thirteen twenty. King Solomon said it best when he said this thousands of years ago. He said, walk with the wise and become wise. Associate with fools and you get into trouble. You spend time with people that challenge you and sharpen you and pray for you and encourage you. You are going to get stronger. You are going to get better. You are going to be closer to Jesus Christ. But if you hang out with a bunch of idiots, you're going to become a bigger idiot. All right? That's how it works. And most of you can relate to me when I say this. Most of the time, when I got into trouble, I did not get into trouble alone. All right? Can I get an amen on this? All right? Most of the time when I got into trouble, there was somebody egging me on to do something stupid or I was egging someone else on to do something stupid. We we weren't alone when we were getting into trouble. I want you to to watch a video right now where uh, Katie Davis, she actually has the courage to share about a time she was spending time with the wrong people. And I want you to check out this video.
1: So I was born and raised in a Christian home. I grew up um, in Christian school, going to church all the time, pretty much anytime the doors were open, was surrounded um, by Christian friends always in my life. I uh, went to Bible college for a while and then transferred here to Fort Lewis. Um, while I was at Fort Lewis, I had an awesome um, just circle of Christian friends who um, were serving alongside me here at Grace Church. Um, Yeah, I never got into the party scene or anything in college, made it out of Fort Lewis unscathed. Um, And then when I was 26 years old, I had the choice to move into town and live with a Christian girlfriend or to find a place with a friend of my sister's who I was kind of friends with at the time, um, who was by no means a believer, Um, is not a Christian, and definitely had different Um, Values and standards than I did, and I made the really poor decision then to move in um, with a non-Christian friend, and I think at the time, I thought, man, I was going to be a great influence on her, I'd be able to invite her to church, and be showing Jesus to her, and so I think that was how I kind of justified it then in my head. So, what ended up happening was that she was probably influenced by me very little. She never did ever come to church with me. When she would ask me to go places, it seemed like I always went um, places that I probably shouldn't really have been hanging out Um, as a young Christian woman. um, Hanging out with her friends and new friends that we had made um, who were also not Christians. Um, Yeah, just not living. really godly life at that time Um, and it definitely affected me um, really negatively Um, just out late um, maybe not doing all the crazy things but associating with people who were and um, I think people um, around me started viewing me differently Um, I think I missed out on opportunities um, to be serving God and to be really investing in my relationship with Jesus at that time What finally got my attention, really, was a good Christian friend who spoke some hard truths to me in love, Um, just was very honest with me about what he saw when he looked at my life, Um, was pretty honest with me um, about the example that I was setting for youth um, in our church, and I wasn't a youth leader at that time, but I had been a youth leader um, in youth group here and in previous churches for a very long time um, probably 10 years before this and this was the time I wasn't doing youth but that um, really got my attention because I loved youth and kids and I definitely did not want to be a bad example of who Jesus was to them. When our lease was up I decided to move out and instead I moved in with some Christian friends of mine And I started plugging myself back into ministry here at Grace. Um, I was on the worship team, and I plugged into youth group and tried to pour myself into teen girls here and to pour Jesus into their lives and get myself back on track. And we didn't stop hanging out completely right then. Um, But my choice to kind of replace um, the negative parts of our friendship with seeking after Jesus and putting myself in a place to be serving Jesus at church, um, it started changing our friendship naturally. I needed to get away from that relationship um, so that I could get back to who I truly was um, as a follower of Christ and to really be um, investing in my relationship with Jesus and to be um, in a place where I had this overflow that I could be pouring into other people and not be completely drained um, like I was. I don't think it's a bad thing to be friends with non-believers. I definitely don't. And I do think that they need us in their lives. I think my problem was I was letting um, her and that crowd of people, that crowd of friends, be the loudest voices in my life at that time. And they were overshadowing um, the voice of Jesus and the voice of just sound Christian friends who were um, trying to pour into me at that time. Um, So I think... No matter who your friends are, um, you need to have other Christian believers walking alongside you who you're letting be the loudest voices in your ear um, so that you can man, keep your relationship with Jesus on track um, and be serving him and be living with him in community so that you can pour into the non-believing community.
0: All right. You can give Katie some applause. Yeah, yeah. Thanks. Take some, take some courage, take some guts to do that. And I want to thank Katie for, for being willing to do that. You know, she, uh, she talked about replacing some of the negative parts of her friendship, replacing it with, um, you know, serving Christ in the church, doing, doing godly things. And she said, naturally, that it changed the relationship. I, I want you to know King Solomon had some things to say about this thousands of years ago. He said in Proverbs 12, 26, he said, The righteous choose their friends carefully. The righteous choose their friends carefully, but the way of the wicked leads them astray. Listen, we're going to meet people by chance. All right, we're going to meet people by chance. Uh, People are going to come and go in our lives. We're going to meet people by chance, but we deepen friendships by an active choice. We're going to meet people by chance, but we're going to deepen friendships by an active choice and here's the main idea that I want us to understand today. Here's the main idea. If you walk away with anything, I want you to walk away with this. You cannot live the right life when you have the wrong friends. You cannot live the right life when you have the wrong friends. The apostle Paul said it this way in 1 Corinthians 15:33. He said, "Do not be misled." Okay? Don't be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. Paul said, don't be misled. I know many of us will rationalize this away and we'll say, uh, man, this, this message doesn't apply to me. I think Justin is talking to someone else here this morning. This, he's not really talking to me. This message doesn't apply to me. Uh, I'm going to continue being friends with people that drag me down because I am not like them and I am not going to do what they do, and um, they're not going to influence me or drag me down. Paul says, imagine the Apostle Paul, okay, just speaking to you this morning, just like an old wise sage saying, don't be misled, like, come on, don't be misled. Bad company corrupts good character, or another way you could say it, is show me your friends, and I will show you your future. I want to illustrate this for us this morning to make sure that we get this. I I actually want to ask for someone to help me this morning from the audience. I, I need to find the biggest, strongest, baddest dude in this room. All right, any hands going up? Caleb? Yeah, yeah, Caleb. All right, I'm looking over here. Uh, the biggest. Hey, Cole! Yeah, come on up here, Cole. Check out this guy, man. Just show everybody your guns real quick, would you? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) All right, man. Biggest baddest dude. You are a bad dude, by the way. Yep. Got your elk already? Yeah? Awesome, awesome. Okay. Um, I want us to visually see this, okay? I'm going to ask Cole to lay down on the ground. Okay? He's going to lay down. Go ahead and put your feet this way and your head that way. And so Cole represents a friend that's going the wrong way. I mean, obviously. I mean, look at Cole, you know, all right? He, he, he's a friend that's going down the wrong path. He's going down the wrong way. And I represent myself who's going the right way, or so I think, all right? But I have this weird mentality that I'm going to use my friendship to bring Cole up. I'm going I'm to influence Cole, and I'm going to make him more like Christ, and I'm going I'm to do it. And so I I link hands with Cole in friendship. And I'm going to try to lift him up. And he's going to try to pull me down. And we're going to see who wins. But real quick, real quick, who do you think is stronger, me or Cole? Let's be honest. I, I see you. I see you. All right. On the count of three. One. Try to pull hard, okay? All right. Cole has dislocated his shoulder a few times, so I'm a little nervous. A little n- three, two, one. <coughs> Dang. That's awesome. Okay, one more time. Three. Okay, I'm going to try hard this time. Two, one. <coughs> okay. All right. That's, that's it, man. That's it. That's the illustration. Okay. All right. Uh, Okay, the whole point of that nonsense was it's easier for him to pull me down than it is for me to lift him up, all right? So I know many of us, we have that mentality and there's nothing wrong with it and that's the tension that we're going to talk about here in a little bit. But we have this tension or we have this idea, I'm going to befriend someone so that I can Influence them for Christ, and it usually ends up working the opposite way. Or some guys will have this idea that I'm gonna flirt to convert, you know? I'm gonna flirt with, I'm gonna have this relationship with this girl so that I can win her to Christ, and woo! And it usually ends up going, woo! You know, it usually ends up going the other way. It's easier to pull someone down than it is to lift someone up. So, I'm out of breath. It appears to be pretty black and white. It's like, oh, man, this is great. This is obvious. Um, Show me your friends. I'll show you your future. Don't hang around the right, wrong type of people. Seems easy enough to understand. But here's where we get into the tension, okay? Paul says bad company corrupts good character. So we need to distance ourselves from the wrong friends. But Jesus, our Lord and Savior, was referred to as a friend of sinners. So do we stay away or do we engage and try to reach people? That's that's the tension that we're talking about. Scripture says, do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. It's talking about marriage. It's talking about business relationships. It says, man, don't partner up with an unbeliever because when, you're, uh, when you have children, you're going to want to raise your children in the ways of the Lord and your spouse may want to lead them down a different path. And that's going to be a conflict of interest. And so God's actually looking out for us and he says, hey, it's not smart. Don't be unequally yoked. Don't be joined together with unbelievers. But the scripture also tells us that we should be the light of the world. Scripture says, don't associate with people who are easily angered or you will become like them and endanger your soul. Yet we're told, go into all the world and make disciples. So it's a dichotomy, right? It's, 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 it's a tension. It raises the question, should we avoid people that are going to drag us down or should we be the light of God that reaches out to lift them up? And the answer is yes to both. All right, I'm going to close in prayer. We're going to (laughs) be, all right. That's, That's the tension, okay? That's the tension that exists that we're talking about. We cannot let the wrong influences take us away from God's call and his ways. At the same time, we can't let our hearts grow cold. Because God wants us, he wants to use us to show his love to a world that does not know him. So there is a real tension that we have to wrestle with. And to show, uh, you know, so I guess the question is, how do we resolve this tension? What's what's the answer to this tension? The truth is, part of this tension is never going away. Okay, part of this tension is going to always exist. But I believe this is the most critical part if you are a committed follower of Jesus Christ, the people that are in your inner circle, all right, your core friends, your core group of friends, the people that influence you the most and you influence, let's let's say your closest four, five, six or seven friends, you know, your core group of friends. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, those people in your core, the people that influence you the most, They need to be committed followers of Jesus Christ. They need to be. Because that's where you get your strength. That's where you get your encouragement. That's where you have some friends that are willing to speak truth into your life, like Katie was talking about. She had a friend that was willing to say some hard things to her. Those are the people that are going to love you, that are going to correct you. When your core is solid, okay, you have a solid core And then it allows your roots to grow deeper into Jesus Christ and into the the right way. And that allows your reach to go wider. Okay? When your core is solid, your roots grow deeper and your reach goes wider. When you're surrounded by the right people, your roots grow deeper and your reach is wider. And because you're surrounded by the right people, you now can go into the darkness and you can let your light shine. Because you have a foundation, you have support, you have the strength that you need. But when your inner circle or your core is not made up of the right people and you're listening to the wrong voices, your roots will not grow deep and your reach will not go wide. There's a real tension here. And Jesus is the perfect example. We're going to look at the life of Jesus Christ. We're going to look at Jesus and we're going to see how he handled this tension. And so when you watch Jesus, when you watch his life, he loved everyone equally, but he had some clear boundaries. He loved everyone equally, but he had some clear boundaries. He loved everyone equally, but he didn't treat everyone equally. For example, he only recruited 12 disciples, okay? Not 18, not 26. He only recruited 12. And out of the 12, he spent more time with three of them, more than the other nine. He spent time with Peter, James, and John. You could say that was like his close circle of friends. There were times in Jesus' life where everyone wanted him. People wanted him to heal them, People wanted to be fed by him. They wanted to just hear his teaching because he was the son of God. He was God in the flesh. Of course they wanted to hear what he had to say. But there was times when Jesus would say, sorry, but I need to go spend time with my heavenly father. There was times where he would purposefully go away. Sometimes like 40 days at a time, he would go away to make sure that his roots remain deep so that his reach could go wide. Jesus loved the Pharisees. He loved the religious people of the day. He loved their soul. He wanted to see them turn to faith. He loved the Pharisees, but he also had some very clear boundaries with the Pharisees. He loved everyone, but he didn't treat everyone equally. See, the reality is, for most of us, there are relationships or close influences in our lives that need some clear boundaries. And I think as we become adults, it's like, man, we start to reason stuff away. But if we were to put this in the context of our children, and my children go to a public school, and I know that, you know, this individual that's hanging out with my high school boy, I know that he's a drug dealer. I know that, man, he he, uh, um, does things you shouldn't be doing on the weekends. I know that this guy is just headed for destruction. And if I see him influencing my boy as a father, if I just stand back and say, whoo, I'm going to let this happen, I would be insane. I would be out of my mind. But yet, when we become adults, it's like, oh, I'm trying to reach him now or I'm trying to reach her now. There's this tension, right? There's this tension. I think the reality is most of us have relationships or close influences in our lives that need some clear boundaries. It could be a person that you spend time with and this person is just incredibly negative. I mean, they just criticize everything. They're always tearing people down. They're just negative. Like every word that comes out of their mouth isn't building you up or people around them. They're just cutting people down. You need to set a clear boundary with that individual. Every time you're around them, you become less of who God wants you to be and you are seeing that you're becoming more negative. You're being influenced by them. It could be uh, that there are friends in your life who are tempting you to do things that are not honoring to God. And you need clear boundaries in those relationships. Maybe you have some friends, friends that are introducing values to you that are opposed to the values of God. So you need some clear boundaries in these relationships. You see... Not everyone has to be in your inner circle of influence. You don't have to listen to every voice. The one voice you should listen to is the voice of God. Outside of that, you need to use wisdom and good judgment of which voices you listen to. Remember, it says the righteous choose their friends carefully. They choose them carefully. So as we move forward this morning... We're going to look at two things that we will never let our friends do. And then we're going to look at one commitment that we all need to make in all of our relationships. All right? So two things, if you're taking notes, two things that we will never let our friends do. The first one is this. I will not allow my friends to pull me away from God's way. I will not allow my friends to pull me away from God's way. This is exactly what Jesus did with Peter. And remember, Peter was on the inner circle of Jesus Christ. Peter had good intentions. Um, He thought he was doing the right thing. But what happened here, here was the setting. Jesus um, had just got done explaining that he was going to have to die a brutal death on the cross so that he could be risen again to set you and me free from the bondage of sin. And Peter heard this, and Peter, you know, he tended to uh, put his foot in his mouth sometimes, and so sometimes he would speak before he thought. But Peter responded to Jesus, and his intentions were right. But as you're going to see, he was looking from the, the wrong lens. But Peter said, no, this can't happen. I mean, if you're the king, you've got to be alive. You can't be dead. Like, this can't happen. Matthew 16:23 records the story. Jesus turned to Peter and said, After Peter had said this, he said, get away from me, Satan. All right, if you ever need to make a point with a friend, just call him or her Satan, and that'll get their attention, okay? All right? Jesus said, get away from me, Satan. You are a dangerous trap to me. You are seeing things merely from a human point of view, not from God's point of view. Jesus could see the bigger picture. He knew what had to happen. Peter was caught up in this moment. He was like, No, Jesus, you can't die. Jesus knew he had to die so that we could be set free from our brokenness. Maybe you have some good friends who are like, Man, you don't need to go to church all the time. Like, what are you doing, man? You don't need to go to church all the time? Like, what a waste of time. What are you doing praying all the time? Like, that's stupid. Uh, Maybe you just have some friends who have some good intentions, but they're like, man, you're going to small group again? like hey let's let's go do something else or you know they're just always trying to kind of slightly pull you away from you from things that you know are blessing you and encouraging you and helping you in your life they're trying to pull you away from God's way and you have to have a boundary you have to set a boundary and you have to say i've got to follow God's way it could be it could be in the way that you live maybe you're trying to to get out of a real materialistic lifestyle. Maybe you struggle with materialism. I mean, you just, you, you love money, you love things, and you're trying to move away from that lifestyle, and you're trying to be more generous to, to different ministries. You're trying to help more people who are in need. But every time you hang out with a certain group of friends, all they care about is money and what brand of clothing they're wearing. And, you know, all they care about is stuff. And every time you're with them, you find yourself falling more and more in love with money and fancy dinners and nice things. And you find yourself falling more in love with those things than you are with the ways of God. You you may need to clarify a boundary in that relationship. Because I will not let someone talk me out of God's plan. And just like Katie shared man, the best way to do this is to begin to replace the negative areas in your life with good. And you'll see that things naturally begin to separate because the scripture even says darkness cannot mix with light. So you begin to replace those negative areas in your life with good things. You begin to replace and it naturally begins to separate. I don't think you need to necessarily have a sit-down with your friend and say, you know what, we can't be friends anymore. Sometimes you may have to draw a hard boundary. You may have to have that kind of boldness and that kind of strength. But most of the time, when you replace negative with good, it will naturally work itself out. Number two, if you're taking notes, I will not let my friends sway me to sin. I will not let my friends influence me or sway me to sin. The best example of this in the scriptures is Joseph. Joseph, many of you are probably familiar with this story. If, if you're new to church, maybe this is your first time to church, you're like, I don't know Joseph. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you a little bit about Joseph. Joseph was a man with incredible integrity. He was honest. He was faithful. He just did the right things. And he honored God with his life. But the Old Testament tells us in the scriptures that His brothers became jealous of Joseph, and they betrayed him, and they sold him into slavery. But Joseph had such integrity that he found favor with Potiphar. Potiphar was his master who bought him to be his slave. He found favor with Potiphar, but the scripture tells us that he also found favor with Potiphar's wife. Potiphar's wife was like, Joseph, how are you doing? You know what I'm saying? All right. She took a liking to Joseph, and she tried to make some moves on him. It's recorded in verse 12 of Genesis 39, which says, She, Potiphar's wife, came and grabbed him by the cloak, demanding, Come on, sleep with me. And Joseph tore himself away. He he took off running, and his cloak or his coat was left in her hand as he ran from the house. He did not stay around the temptation of sin. He took off running. He ran away from this situation. I, I want to say, guys, maybe... Maybe what we're talking about here with boundaries or not letting your friends sway you to sin. Maybe you're hanging around a group of friends who are always talking about the hot chicks, you know? They're always talking about women kind of in a degrading or a demeaning way. They're always... Uh, tempting you to do what's wrong. You need to set a boundary in that relationship and say, listen, I, I, I can't hang around you anymore if that's all you're gonna talk about. Because my life, my I want my path to go a different way. I want to do I want to do things different. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna hang around this type of influence anymore. Ladies, it may be your girlfriends, right? They're always gossiping or maybe they're always talking bad about their husbands. They're always Tearing them down, demeaning them, and you need to say, listen, man, I love you. I'm not saying that I'm better than you, but I, I love my husband, and I, wanna, I want our relationship to be awesome. And so I'm not going to demean him. I'm not going to tear him down. I'm not going to gossip about other people. I'm just not, I'm not going to do that anymore. Man, that takes some guts, right? That takes some courage. Now let's talk about one commitment that I will do my best to never change ...in all of my relationships. If you're taking notes, the one thing I will never stop doing in all of my... uh, ...in all of my friendships and relationships... ...is this. I will never stop... ...loving people... ...always. Okay. The worst thing... ...that could happen... ...as a result of this message... ...is I could lead Grace Church... ...to become a holier-than-thou... ...better-than-others shine my halo while we hide in our little bubble and we stay away from those wicked sinners. That, that could be the worst thing that could happen as a result of this message. Jesus did not unfriend sinners. He was a friend of sinners. And if he unfriended anyone, it was the hypocrites It was the holier-than-thou kind of people. You see, what we need to do is we need to make sure our core is solid so that our roots can grow deeper so that our reach and our love can grow wider. We love people always. We love them always. See, we live in this tension of going to all the world and yet we don't let the world disrupt God's plan in our life. The scripture says, be in the world, but not of the world. Man, it's it's a real tension. We may have to set some boundaries and some friendships where we say, I love you, but I cannot let you take me down. It's not that I'm better than you once again, but this is what I I got to do this. This is what God is calling me to do. I, I cannot go down that path. And we always love, and when we do, we're fulfilling the teaching of Jesus in John chapter 13, verses 34 and 35. Jesus said, so now I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. Your love for one another. All right? I'm going to call a time out here real quick and make sure we get this. It says your love for one another, not your knowledge, not your political views, not your theology, but your love for one another. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Your love for one another. Now, I'm going to step on some toes and I'm not intentionally trying to do this. This is where I've been wrestling and I'm not satisfied with what I'm about to say, but I'm going to say it anyways. Some of us, we don't even know each other's names we don't even know each other man we know our political views we know our theology i could i could spin you in circles in a debate but i don't know that you just lost a loved one last week to cancer i don't know that you're having a hard time paying your bills I don't know that you just had the worst argument with your spouse that you've ever had and your marriage is on the rocks. Like those are the things that matter. And the world will know that we are disciples, man, when we are actually loving one another and ministering to one another and meeting each other's needs and the world will go, "What in the world is wrong with those people? They're so crazy generous. They minister to each other, they love each other, they show up for each other. They drop to-do lists so that they can bless each other? Gosh. You cannot live the right life when you have the wrong friends. So I'm going res- re- to surround myself with the right core so that my roots will grow deep but my love and my reach will, will grow wide.